The message comes to us today from the book of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 10, and it reads like this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. (laughs) And the Pharisees and scribes grumbling, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man among you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my lost sheep just so. I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the other 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, She calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Do you remember the day you were the one? Hallelujah. This is the blessed word from our Lord. We go to Luke 15, and as we do uh, this morning, we are looking at three parables. And so let me ask you to do something. Adrian mentioned it. If you haven't disconnected your connection card, if you will do it now and just uh, uh, hold on to it, you'll need it later. And so I'll refer to it just a little bit later. Andy Stanley, Pastor uh, Andy Stanley says, you are what you celebrate. You are what you celebrate. If you're a realtor, you celebrate when you sell a home. If you're an EMT, you celebrate when you save a life. If you're a teacher, you celebrate when your students get it. If you're a lawyer, you celebrate when you win the case. Well, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you celebrate when your kid uses the potty. If you're heaven, you celebrate when the lost are found. And that's what we discover here. Notice what sets up these three stories. Uh, Notice what sets them up. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. That word receives is big. Uh, The word receives means to give access to oneself. Jesus just didn't cast a passing glance at sinners. He took them in. He received them. He ate with them. So in light of their grumbling, he told a story and another and another. In light of their uh, 
complaining that he received sinners, he told three stories. It is from these three stories that we discover one principle that we must leave here with today. Heaven celebrates when the lost are found. The first is a shepherd and sheep. Uh, He has a hundred sheep. This tells us he's a wealthy shepherd. Only one of the hundred is lost. So what does he do? He leaves the 99 safe in the fold and goes after the one lost sheep. One sheep gets more attention than 99. And so uh, his search is described as going after and searches until he finds it. And what does he do? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And then Jesus gives commentary, listen to it, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, this requires what some preachers call spiritual imagination. We know some pieces. Can we put them together? Let me share some pieces with you. All right, first of all, how would Jesus know what's going on in heaven? Well, that's where he was. All right, so he was in heaven. He left heaven to come to earth. That's how he knows what's happening there, number one. Number two, we know that in heaven there is a book. It is called the Lamb's Book of Life. We know from Scripture that when someone comes out of darkness into light, when someone who is lost is found, that the book is open and their name is written there. That there is some process whereby the name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And here's what I wonder. I honestly wonder this. All over the world, when people come to faith in God through Christ Heaven, uh, is their name announced? And if so, is there an angel whose only job is to sit down in front of the book and write the name down? I was 15 years old, grew up very religious, very strict environment, did not know I was lost. It was on a Tuesday night. I went to a revival service with my father And uh, the preacher got up to preach that night in an old traditional Baptist church. He got up to preach. Hundreds of people were in that building on that Tuesday night. This was the, this old traditional long brick building that would seat uh, probably five, six hundred people. And that night I sat there on the second row. And while the preacher preached, something happened to me. 
I cannot describe it to you. I cannot quantify it. It's difficult to qualify it. But sitting there as a 15-year-old acne-ridden nerd, God in all of His grace, in all of His glory, sought me out. He, he pricked my heart with the gospel. I heard uh, the gospel, and as I did, realized I was lost. And in that tradition, you waited until the invitation was given. I knew not how to pray unless I was down there. And so I couldn't wait for the preacher to finish. And when he did, immediately I made a beeline to the altar. And I do not recall the words I said, but I know that when I got up, Something had changed in me. There was a surrender and a peace and and a comfort that as a 15-year-old boy, though I was quite religious, I'd never yet experienced. So this is what I wonder. So at that moment, did somebody in heaven say, hey, I know this is good, Jerry Lewis, and heaven must have said, no way. No, not that one. And, and, and the angel said, no, 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 not that one. Another one, Jerry Lewis. And, and they wrote my name, and heaven erupted. And when you came to Christ, the same thing happened. Something happens there. Heaven celebrates when the lost are found. These stories escalate, each of them. The first is a wealthy shepherd who owns a hundred sheep, one out of a hundred. The second is a poor woman. We know she's poor because she would have to light a lamp. Her house had no windows, and she lights a lamp to find one of ten. We go from 1% to 10%. Jesus, who is a masterful storyteller, intentionally tells these stories in an escalating, intensifying fashion. He goes from 1 out of 100 to 1, now out of 10. A woman loses a coin. These 10 coins probably represent her life savings And she begins to search frantically for them. So what does she do? It says she sought diligently until she finds it, just like the shepherd. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus, who is the Son of the Father, who has spent all of eternity past with him, knows him, and he alone can tell the stories he does. You say, what do you mean? This gives us the mindset of God the Father. When is the last time you lost your keys? And when you did, could you think about anything else? No. You, you thought about your keys until you found them. 
It's humorous that this happened with the sermon, but uh, I have two Bibles. I have my personal Bible that has journaling on the side. That's what I read in the mornings and jot things down that the Lord just speaks to me through his word. Uh, It's my second one like that. I treasure that. I just write. And then I have a preaching Bible. It's a little gray hardback preaching Bible that I use up here. Well, I lost it. Yeah, I know. It's like a a cop without a gun. It's pathetic to be a preacher with no Bible. So, So I text Wendy this morning, and I said, honey, can you bring my other, my journaling Bible? I can't find my preaching Bible. So she comes in, and she says, is this the Bible you wanted? I said, no. Uh, I said, but it's the Bible. It's all right. It's the version I use, so it's okay. And she said, whose is this? I said, I don't know. So um, if this is your Bible, (laughs) it was at our house. And it's been there a while, so you're far from God. (laughs) I'm just saying, Wendy found it on the shelf today at the house, and I'm using it. And so, uh, so I said in the early service, and if you've stolen mine, please return it. Well, somebody from my life group came up and said, you left it at life group, so there you go. Um, when you've lost something, all you can think about is what you've lost. Go in the post office in 04, all the time there, there's a, a dog lost poster, little picture, name, description. I guarantee you that those folks don't go to work thinking about the dogs they haven't lost. They think about the one they did. What does this say to us about the mind of God? If you're lost, you have his undivided attention. You do. If you're here this morning and you do not know him as your Savior, he can't get his mind off of you. That's what these stories say. That's what they say. Heaven celebrates when the lost are found. Uh, The stories escalate now. So we've got one out of a hundred sheep. We've got one out of ten coins. Now we have one out of two. They escalate just in number. The intensity is apparent just by the fractions, right? 1%, 10%, 50%. But they also intensify by the object that is lost. We have an animate object, a sheep, an inanimate object, a coin. And now we have a person. You see, most of us cannot identify with having lost a sheep because we are not shepherds. And you can identify with having lost money, most of us, because we have. But if you are a mom or a dad in the room, you know what it is to even contemplate the wandering of your child. 
It's terrifying. It is something that as a parent, you never outgrow. Your kids can be grown and gone, and this thought, this desire, this burden that you have for them will not go away. This is a real person in this story. What happens? Well, there's a man who has two sons, and the younger son says to his father, give me my share of the inheritance. This was unheard of. We know this father is wealthy just by the whole story as it unfolds. And so what happened? The, the scripture says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had. You and I read that, and that means little to us, but let me put it in the context. Most of what the son received was not currency. It wasn't money. It was land. It would have been livestock. It would have been physical things. If he gathered all that and left, he had to turn it into currency. Do you know what that means? Is that the father had divided his land and his livestock and these earthly possessions, jewelry, whatever it may be, that was coming to the younger son, it meant that in front of the father's house, the boy had to put up a for sale sign. Tongues wagged in the neighborhood. Did, did you hear what, what, what his boy did? People came. Somebody had to bid. Somebody had to buy. And this father sat in his own house while his younger son sold it out from in under him. His father watched, humiliated, heartbroken, his boy take everything that he had amassed, at least his portion, and sell it off and waste it. The father observed all of this happen, and the boy turns it into money and and leaves. He turns it into cash. He turns it into currency, and he leaves uh, uh, an embarrassed, humiliated father. So what happens then? And when he had spent everything, he goes away, and he squanders all of this father's stuff and reckless living and when he had spent everything a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need so the boy went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs something a Jew would never do and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything If you're a thinking person, this question has to be resounding in your mind right now. Hold up. The shepherd went looking for the sheep. The woman went looking for the coin. Why didn't the dad go looking for the kid?
every parent in the room. has to be asking that question. Well, hold up, Jesus. Whoa, these stories, they, they, they line up. They're parallel. Why isn't the father searching diligently for the child? Believe it or not, there's a rather simple answer. You cannot find something that is not lost. You can't. Until the boy knows he's lost, there's no need to go looking. And what I've discovered through the years of doing ministry It takes varying lows. Some people, your threshold's here, and you hit it and you go, oh, I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm lost. i got to come home. Others of you, it's down here. And others of you, it's here. And others, it's unbelievable. I, as a pastor, will sit and watch and wonder, what do you lose in your life? What has to go? What has to be spent? What has to be wasted before you realize that you are lost, that it is all gone, that all hope is lost? What is your new low? Where is it? The father knows better than to go looking for anything, anyone who doesn't know he's lost. You wives do the same thing. Until your husband admits he's lost, he's not. You're driving. You know you're lost. Right? You know this is not the way you should have gone. But he will not admit it. And should you dare bring it up, it's not pretty. So you're not lost until you know you're lost. Oh, you may be lost, but you won't let anybody find you. Father knows that. He waits. That's important, though, because what happens? Verse 17, but when he came to himself, that's it. That's it. That has to happen. But when he came to himself, you must come to yourself. There's some of you sitting in here this morning, and and perhaps the Holy Spirit right now is pricking your heart, and it's causing you to realize, like I did when I was 15, uh, you're lost, and you need Christ, and you need him in a big way. You are coming to yourself, even as I preach this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. If that's you, I would just like to say something to you this morning that all of us in this room who once were lost but now are found, we, we are not anything in and of ourselves that God would look at us and go, hey, I need you or uh, you are so valuable to me. I must have you in my kingdom. No, one point at some point, God in his grace 
revealed to us our lostness. And in our lostness, we came to ourselves. And what did the father do? He said, the boy said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. He prepares a speech. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. I love this. But while he was still, what? A long way off. What does that say? He's a waiting father. He's a longing father. He must have been looking down the road for this boy. His last memories of him were for sale signs, selling off his inheritance. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran, embraced, and kissed He saw him, he felt compassion, he ran, he embraced, and he kissed. He did all of that. And what's fascinating is Jesus tells this story in a culture where wealthy men don't run. And and he tells this in in a situation where the boy is covered in pigsty. He is covered in 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 the muck and the mire of his old life. But he's coming home. He's come to himself. He sees the pigsty for what it is. He sees the sin for what it is. And he comes home to the father just wanting to be a hired servant. What does the father do? The father runs to him and he covers him. He embraces him. He covers him. You know the verse, don't you? Love covers a what? Multitude of what? Love covers a multitude of sins. Could I say to you this morning, if you've walked in here and and the sin of even this weekend just haunts you and your own sinful history just makes you sick and you wonder, why am I here? Welcome home. This is where you belong. This is where you ought to be. The father doesn't stop covering the son there. The boy starts the speech, and the son just said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. If you compare the planned speech with the presented speech, the father cuts him off. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly. I love that. Don't delay. Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring quickly what we've got to cover him. Boy, he didn't have to clean himself up. He, he didn't have to wash himself. We got to cover him. Let's put on the family robe. Let's give him the family ring. And let's put on some sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. 
For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found. And they began to do what? Celebrate. Why? Because heaven celebrates when the lost are found. That's what heaven does. But there's a boy. His older son was in the field, and as he came, he drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. The older brother was angry and refused to go in. You can't miss this. His father came out and entreated him. If you sit here this morning and you've looked across this room and you've seen someone and you've said to yourself, why is he here? Why is she here? You mean they go to church? The Father is entreating you too. The heart from which such a thought flows indicates that you might be at home but lost. So the father entreated him But he answered the, his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Notice the son cannot even call his brother his brother. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead. And is alive. He was lost. And is found. Heaven celebrates when the lost are found. Do you? If Andy Stanley is right, and you are what you celebrate, and we are as a church what we celebrate, do we? I shared a bit of her story last week. Savannah, Montreat student, came up to me and talked to me in class just uh, just a couple weeks ago and told me what God did in her life. Well, this morning, Savannah is going to be baptized. In the early service, we baptized several folks. So check out the screen. Listen to Savannah's story. My name is Savannah. 
You can be seated. Now, what I want you to do is to take this connection card out that I mentioned and turn it over to the back. Two things uh, that we want you to do. You may not realize a couple of things that happen every single week here at Grace. First of all, on Thursdays, I send an email to now 89 folks in this church who pray in a very specific way for every service. They receive the text of the sermon, uh, they receive the intention of the sermon, and they begin to pray. The blanks are for you to write down a name or names of people you would love to see come to Christ. This team will get those names, and I guarantee you they will pray diligently for your lost loved one. So that's what you do on this side. Also, every Sunday morning, our students come in here around 8.45, several of them, and the pens that are in the seats, they put them out. And as they do that, our students walk up and down these rows, and they pray for you. These are middle school and high school students who pray that God will speak to you, that God will convict you, that God will draw you to himself. So, so they're going to be praying as we approach the holiday season. On the right-hand side, it says Christmas Eve Outreach. The new reality is that Easter is no longer the number one highest attended service in the year by unbelievers. It is now eclipsed significantly by Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is now the new service where if you invite an unchurched friend, more than likely he or she will say yes. So we're planning. Christmas Eve is on Sunday this year. We will have at least three services, maybe four. The times will be at 9A, 11A, 3P, and 5P. So we need your help in planning. Would you choose the one service that you think your friend is most likely to come to with you? All right, so circle the one service that you think your friend will come, right? If they're not a morning person, it wouldn't be nine. You follow, right? If they like to sleep in, 5P might be for them, right? But if if you've got family things going on for dinner, then, no, don't say go over there. They need to come with you. So if you'll do this, and then as you leave, uh, we will have folks at the back with baskets, and they will take these, and uh, this will help us to pray and to plan. All right? We'll do both, to pray and to plan. Let's pray. God, um, heaven, heaven celebrated today. Heaven celebrated when, when Danielle at 828 gave her life to Christ. And Father, heaven celebrated when Savannah did the same in worship here a few weeks ago. So right now, I pray for any lost person in this room whose heart has been pricked 
by your Spirit that today he or she would trust you as Savior. Secondly, I, I pray I pray for anyone who's appalled that you receive sinners and eat with them that you would remind us that we most likely ought to celebrate what heaven celebrates. And that is sinners being saved. Lost, found. Lord Jesus, as Steve wonderfully read the Scripture this morning and asked us the question, remind us of when we were lost and you found us. Of when we came out of darkness into light, from sadness to joy. Father, Father, thank you for your compassionate and passionate love for the lost. Lord, you are not willing that any should perish, Peter wrote, but that all should come to repentance. Make it so. Bring it about. Jesus, we love you. You're the best. Thank you for your death, your resurrection your return. We pray this in your name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.